Welcome to Across the Park podcast, a football podcast on both Everton and Liverpool Football Club, produced by six mates, the three Reds, Gary, Phil and Terry, and the three Blues, myself, Millsy, Judgy and Craig. Each Monday, we release our latest show, where we discuss the ongoing matters with both teams, whether it be good or bad, opposing views, opinions, banter and debate. We are proud to be a family-friendly football podcast and you can find more about us on our website, www.acrosstheparkpodcast.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a show on your preferred podcast listening app and make sure you give us a follow on our social media. Twitter is Across the Park PC, Instagram is Across the Park PC and Facebook search Across the Park. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Today's podcast is brought to you by Camper Kings. Coronavirus has got us all thinking about UK holidays and what better way to do that than in a camper van. Have the adventure of a lifetime in one of Camper Kings' high-end luxury camper vans. Check them out on Instagram at camperkings underscore nw or on the website at www.camperkings.co.uk. Prices start from just £85 per night. So book now and quote Across the Park podcast for free insurance and a free bottle of champagne during the month of September. Hello everyone, welcome to Across the Park podcast, episode four of the 2020-21 season, and we are of course still in pre-season, just about. So it's going to be quite a short episode tonight. Um, We've got some pre-season stuff to cover in the the way of Liverpool's charity shield. Um, We we, we have a different name for it every year, sometimes it's an exhibition game, sometimes it's an actual game that you want to win, but... I think in this case, Liverpool are going to say they didn't want to win it. Um, <laughs> no, so we'll be covering Liverpool's game against um, Arsenal. Um, not Obviously, no further games to cover on the Everton side, but there's some developments further on, on the transfer side of it. Um, so not not a great deal to cover tonight, but we'll do what we can. Um, very close to the start of the season now, which we're all obviously looking forward to. Just myself, Judgy, representing the Blues tonight. Teddy's going to be mainly playing the role of host, and then we've got Phil representing the Reds, red sides of the park. So we are going to kick off, I think, Teddy, with with the with the charity shield itself. So um, I'll, I'll go over to you first, and I'll let you lead Phil into it. Yeah. So I mean, from you know watching that game, Phil, I think like the you know the first thing to note is the starting lineup. Was it a lineup that you'd have gone with before the game? Well, obviously, we're struggling for injuries, aren't we? With with uh, Trent. Not, I don't think he travelled, did he? And then we've got Henderson with his long-term injury as well. So we filled them holes naturally with, with Neko Williams on, on the right. Um, we've brought Milner in and put him in midfield, which was... I haven't seen him there for a while. He's been sort of uh, filling in all over the pitch for us, hasn't he? So it was sort of nice to see him back in midfield. And, and that filled the Henderson hole with, obviously, Fabinho, Holden, and uh, the rest of the squad is what you expect, yeah? But... It took Milner a little while to get into the game. Um, he, he did come good uh, towards the end of the first half, but during his bit of a cold spell there, obviously he, he's played a part in their goal as well, and, and Nico Williams has, has struggled. So, you know, the, the lineup, you know, you, you could say it's led to them scoring the first goal, but, you know, overall, I think it was a game that Liverpool played fairly well in. We, 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 we were absolutely knocking on the door for, for large spells. It was all one-way traffic for, for large periods, but 
they had some nice little patterns of play that they were working on. They were doing that little thing, weren't they, where um, they, the keeper was playing it to the centre-half. He was playing it to the right-back. Mm. And their first goal come from that. But they kept doing that exact little pattern. It must have been something they've worked on to beat the, the Liverpool press. And done us, absolutely done us with it in, in, the, you know, in, in their first goal. I mean, it's harsh on Nico Williams, really, because he's got one of the greatest strikers on the planet running on him in, in a Bamiyang. He's quite isolated over there. Um, and then there's an overlap going down the right wing. So he's basically thinking, what am I going to do here? He's, show, he's done the wrong thing. He's basically showing a Bamiyang inside and he's had the quality to bend it in the corner. Alisson got nowhere near it from, you know, albeit just outside the box. So, uh, did... Well, I was gonna, I was gonna ask. Like, obviously, you mentioned the midfield there, and, and you know, we we've mentioned it time and time again, haven't we, on this podcast, where that right back spot is the target for a lot of teams against Liverpool. Even when Trent plays there, you know, we know that Trent gets caught up the pitch and it gets targeted quite heavily. You know, that that right back area. You've got someone like Nico Williams coming in there at right back, and then he's playing alongside Joe Gomez, who, with all due respect, I don't think has had a great preseason. You know, from from what I've seen of of, of Gomez this season. So far, and even after lockdown, it's like he's just, his concentration levels aren't there. It just doesn't seem to be as um as as mean as he has been, you know, previously. Um, and I don't know what that is, but I think when you combine them two things, you know, Williams at right back and and, and Gomez who's maybe not on it, and then a midfield where without you know we we talked about it, haven't we? Where Henderson always has that discipline, you know, when he's roasting Trent, he's roaring at him, and he's always there helping out, covering. Do you think the midfield's given that without Henderson? Because I think, I I think there's a, there's something lacking there, you know, in terms of protection for for a young right back who's come in, um, especially when a centre half partner's not really been on good form. Yeah, I mean, I take your point on Joe Gomez's performances so far in pre-season, except for the Arsenal game where he was really on it, but maybe he was focused on his own game so much that he wasn't guiding Williams. I mean, Williams wasn't caught up the pitch for that goal, of course. He was caught inside the pitch. So I don't know what's going on there. Fabinho was halfway down like near their box as well. So we've just been absolutely caught on, on the counter. It wasn't like, you know, uh, it wasn't like Nico Williams was up the pitch. Um, but look, the, the more worrying thing for me on Williams for that game was that all our attack comes down the left. Robertson was whipping cross after cross after cross across the box. But and and they Arsenal defended it brilliantly. But it's kind of easy to do when it's so predictive that, that what we're gonna do is come down the left and, and lash one across the box. Williams offered nothing going forward, but I think it was because that's obviously Rockter's confidence there being being against out of position against Abamyang and he's been really, really worried about that happening to him again. But it, it yeah. sort of stopped him. It's a question of pace, that. isn't it? Because I think I think you can see there that you know Nico isn't the, isn't the quickest. You know what I mean? And when you're up against someone like Aubameyang, as you know, as you as you pointed out, and and Arsenal have got that that capability. You know, that's always been their strength, hasn't it? That you know that's what they have had in recent times is a is a really good forward line and pace. Yeah. But so I think you're right. I think it, you know it is one of them where it's caught. He's being caught out, and then he's been a little bit wary to get further forwards, and then our patterns of play became. You know, pretty predictable. But I suppose that goes to the next question that I'd ask you. Then is the front three? Yeah, are they firing. What's going on there? So because if if you if, if we are at the moment, it looks like what very very reliant on fullback areas, which we always we have we have been last season you know, in terms of assists and things coming from Trent and, and Robertson. But in the absence of Trent, 
surely the front three have got to pick up the ban a little bit more and they seem to be misfiring. It doesn't feel like it's telepathic or, you know, or gelling really nicely up on the front the front three, I don't think, at the moment. No, it was a really poor performance first half from Salah Firmino Mane. Um, Salah caught the eye with a couple of nice passes, um, but apart from that, non-existent. You know, they all were. Mane had more of the ball because most of our play was coming down the left because of Robertson and stuff. So Mane had a bit more of the ball, but by his own standards, the, the, the final product wasn't there at all. But I think, you know, the key thing is seconds half, we made some, you know, really unique changes that we, we haven't seen before. So Fabinho's dropped into centre half. Um, Williams has gone off. Gomez has gone to right back. Cater's come on and played sort of that holding midfield position alongside Wijnaldum. And then we've gone Bobby in the midfield as well behind Salah. Mane switched over to the right and Minamino's come on on the left. And we looked a lot better that you know the attack was a lot more fluid. Mm. Um, Minamino starting to be yeah, more involved. He's starting to look good. You know, we already seeing like flashes of technique from him, but he didn't like quite have the strength or the integration and the chemistry with the other players. And he hasn't had final product. Obviously, he hasn't scored any goals until there. Which you know, he took that goal really nice. Although Salah, he made, he's done a lot of running and and distraction there for the defenders to make that happen. I think Salah took a little bit too much criticism for that game, in my opinion. Um, you know, I think because he's not firing the way he has we've known him to in the past. People are getting on his back, for me, a little bit too much. I think he's picked out a couple of worldy passes there and he's done a lot um, in making that goal. But, um, but yeah, that formation was a lot better and there's a lot to be said for Keita. And, you know, I've said this from early on, early doors with Keita, when he's playing deeper in the midfield and he's picking that ball up from the number six position and glides past people and then he's still got a lot of pitch to look at. I like him there. Um, and, you know, and he was... And he was he was doing that. Uh, when he picks up the ball in the ten, I think he can get crowds out because he likes mm. to dribble past a couple. Um, but no, he he was doing that brilliantly. Wine Alden, he had a quiet game for the entirety of the game, to be honest. It wasn't mm. wasn't his best performance, but but yeah, Kate there and then and Bobby playing in that sort of number ten position behind Salah. Um, we all know he's got the ability to do it and we were better there, but still he, he had he had a very, very quiet day for me. Mm. Both. Well, I mean, on, on, I mean, just on last sort of point, really, to touch on, on is the Wijnaldum one. Do you think that all of the recent speculation and the contract talks and the Thiago transfer rumours, do you think there's anything, you know, sort of affecting his performances at the moment? Is his mind completely sort of... I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it? He looks happy on the pitch. He's still like normal genie Wijnaldum, smiling and, you know, and, and doing what he's got to do on the pitch. But I don't know. Who knows? He's, you know, it could well be. It depends... It you know if, if he thinks the club don't want him anymore, then yeah he's going to feel put out and and he could see that affecting his performance. But Cop's picking him to play. Mm. I don't think Cop would do that if he thought you know there was any issues there. Uh, you know mm. I really don't. So I don't I don't think that's the issue. But um, obviously we've come to the penalty shootout then. And I've already said earlier that for me at half time I was you know I was in the WhatsApp group saying. That, you know, that we need to get Brewster on because we kept lashing balls across the box and there was no one there no to one put there. it in. And if you want anything, you want a fox in the box for that. Um, a lot of people predicted that Brewster was going to get brought on for the penalty shootout because I've seen Klopp say in an interview, he has never in his whole life in training or anywhere, you know, seen Brewster miss a penalty. So he's got this sort of reputation as a bit of a 
penalty specialist. He's been brought on solely for the pen shootout. And, you know, out of, out of 10 penalties taken, that was the only one missed. For me, though, you know, I thought it was a bit naive of Copper. You know, even with 10 minutes to go, get him on, why not? Why not? If you wanted to take a pen, at least get him a touch of the ball. Mm. But first touch of the ball, cold, and he's absolutely crashed it off the bar. I mean, it happens, don't it? That's all I'll say about it. It happens. I don't think, you know, that you can put too much criticism on his back. He's come on cold. He's had the confidence to step up, and he's thumbs it off the bar. They took one. I can't remember who it was now. It might have been... Abamiang or someone and it, they did the same thing and it went two inches away and it went into the roof of the net and everyone was sort of peering at what a penalty it was mm. so, you know two inches small made. margins yeah of course yeah mm. but I mean it just in terms of like the, the actual result itself then like what does it mean for this for this Liverpool team do you think you know will it will it will it get them to raise the game because and you know you've made the point haven't you we came back from lockdown and you were worried about the sort of standards slipping a little bit anyway before lockdown happened. You know, we started to see it, didn't we? The Wofford game and stuff. February. Um, yeah, it was around February, early March. And I remember you, you, you making that point then. So, has there been much in pre-season so far that really fills you with, you know, massive confidence that we're, you know, really going to hit the ground running? Because, obviously, we lost last season Charity Shield and then, obviously, we started, like, absolute house on fire, didn't we? So, or can you see that being the same way after this one? Well, <laughs> I'm not worried about the charity shield. Uh, obviously, we, that's come, that game's come on the back of a, a gruelling training camp, a pre-season training camp. So, and that's how it looked. To be honest, we we looked tired, heavy legs, and that to me. Um, and so that, that that individual game doesn't worry me. But I am more worried about the fact that I think we played Atletico on about what the 15th, 16th of Feb. Um, you know, some sloppiness that night in in defence, yeah. and there has been ever since. We've got a hard start to the campaign next yeah. season. Um, we got some of the better teams away in the first September, October, first couple of weeks of well, November. We opened, we opened with Leeds, newly promoted, who are going to want to make a statement back in the Prem, and they're spending money as well, or looking to spend money and improve their side. So, yeah. you know, and in Bielsa, they've got a shrewd operator, tactically, you know what I mean? So, I think we're, we're opening with a tough game, not just playing like the supposed bigger teams, we're opening with a tough game, playing a newly promoted team like we did last season against Norwich. Yeah. So any of that sloppiness, uh, and it can cost you big in, in the Prems. You know, it's, it seems like that. The, the, if they nick a goal early on because we gift them one, they're pretty good at shutting up shop. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's, there's cause for concern. But, I mean, that's a, it's a good thing in, in, in some ways because how long has it been since Liverpool been in a Prem game and we've had that feeling of, God, we need to win. You know, City are going to mm. win and, and all that. We haven't felt that in 2020, really, if we're honest. So I'm looking forward to getting that little bit of pressure back and hopefully maybe the players are as well because they've been playing without pressure for a long time in, in, in some respects. So mm. I'm hoping that that can give them the push that they need. But it just shows you, though, that... And we've said, I've been saying it for years, but if we lose the wrong players, our first 11's, you know, brilliant. And when that team's out, I've got confidence we'll beat anyone. But, you know, if you lose one of the fullbacks, it impacts us heavy. And you've seen that against Arsenal. If you lose Van Dijk, it could impact us heavy. So, you know, we're still the team that's just absolutely stormed the league. If you're looking at talking about Chelsea or United or anyone like that trying to catch up to us, they've got a massive, like, 35, 40, you know, point gap to bridge. And mm. I'm, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing that happening. But, yeah, we, we, as I say, we've got to put this defensive sloppiness to bed. Sharpish. Yeah, fair point, fair point. Okay, moving swiftly over to the, the blue side. Obviously, they're looking to put some of their sloppiness to bed with some big transfer news, Judge. 
some big players on the radar and, and in the press recently. So you've got being linked with James Rodriguez. Do you want to yeah, well, I, th- I think the, the ongoing theme or saga, if you like, it has been the Allen transfer get, getting over the line. It seems, I mean, every outlet and, and even the club themselves, Napoli have, have now said he's on his way to Everton. It's a done deal. It's just a case of him doing his medical. So I think we can kind of move past that. I've spoken enough about him, about the, the significance and importance of that signing. Um, the position he plays, the characteristics he's he's got, which kind of a contrast to, to what we've currently got in that midfield. James Rodriguez is now more than gathered momentum. It's another deal that looks like looks inevitable. Um, he wants to join Ancelotti. I've got to be be honest. He wants to join Ancelotti more than he wants to join Everton. I think at this stage, it's fair to say. But you know that that's what we knew we were getting with a manager like Ancelotti. Is we, we were going to attract certain players that may not have ordinarily considered us um, based on our you know our recent league positions and and you know the recent state of the club so that that's look I, I think that's the sign and which 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 really excites Evertonians I'm gonna say the sign because it, it does look very very close now um I think it'd be a massive progression and a statement from the club to bring in a player who you know three or four years ago we spoke about as one of the you know, one of the Galacticos at Real Madrid and, you know, arguably one of the best players on the world stage in that position. So, you know, it it would be a significant upgrade um, for us as a club. And I think it'd be a good addition to the Premier League itself if we get the Hamas Rodriguez that we've seen in the World Cup a few years ago and, and at times at Bayern Munich. And, you know, I think, I think it'd be a great signing and certainly a player, you know, you put him up there alongside, you know, Richarlison because he's played off, off a forward as well. Um, you know, it's starting to look like a an attack that that's got a lot more dimension to it. Teeth. Yeah. yeah, than just just raw pace and power, which is what we've had with um, with Charleston and, and Calvert Lewin. So, extremely excited by that one, and you know, licking me lips. I just it it it's just it's frustrating because you just want to see them, you know, holding the shirt up at this stage uh, until they're actually sitting there at that table, you know, with the pen in the hand signing the contract, or until they've got the number on the back of the shirt. It's it's a bit of an anxious time, um, and but at the same time, I've got to, you've kind of got to trust that we've had some really difficult dealings in the last few years, and some there's been some poor business that's been done by the club. So, I think from in my opinion, the, the club are recognising their position of strength in that both Alan and Rodriguez both expressed you know a desire to go to Everton, and that was their chosen destination. Both of them are going into the last last couple of years of their contract, so they know that the clubs are keen to to move them on for some decent money. So, you know, I think Everton are bides at their time recognising that, hold on, we don't have to just bow to the clubs here because the players are saying that this Everton are where they want to go. So if the club want to move them on, then they're going to have to negotiate with us to a certain extent. And it looks like the club are doing that and are really stretching it to the, to the maximum. Judgy, those signings to me point to a 4-3-3 really because... You're probably going to have uh, Rodriguez in an advanced midfield position, and maybe Allen alongside. Um, I don't know. Who, who's he going to play next? Well, the other, the other, you say that, but you look at if you like Ancelotti's one of the best teams that Ancelotti's work with, and I, I'm going to bring up a team here which is going to lead me into the, the wrong place that I want, the place that I don't want to be. But it was the four four two that he has AC Milan before they got. They had the demoralising 2005 <laughs> final. Um, but you obviously faced them again the following year and, and they were a pretty formidable side. You know, the the, four, the diamond that he had in there Jeez, with, with Gattuso and Kakar and Etal. They, they had a few players in there that, 
start to fit the profile the plays he's bringing in. So Rodriguez at the tip of that diamond is is yeah. a lot like a Kakar. He just wants to be on the ball all over the place. You know, to the to the to the right of the diamond, you probably have a, an Allen who's a bit like a Gattuso who will get up and down and, and rat around and and hear players. Arguably, if you put players ahead of them like that, you've got Gomez who starts to fit in as a bit more like a, a Perlo type deep hold midfielder who'll pick the ball up. And that's all Gomez wants to do. He just wants to move it on and step yeah. back deep again. But he hasn't been able to do that because of the, the Jirossi's had around him. So, and you know, you'd have maybe a Decore or someone like that. I think it's starting to look more like a diamond to me. And then that allows you to have your forwards up there, you know, wherever they are, um, to go and just do their job as forwards and not have to do the doggies that times that Rich Allison's had to do and even to a certain extent the Calvert-Lewin and even Moise Keane's had to do I think you know the reason why Moise Keane hasn't played as many games you could argue is that the players around him are just not going to be able to get in and out of him he's a he's a he's a proper from what he's done at Juventus or is he's shown in his early years he's just a fox in the box he just gets in the box and, and wants to put the ball home from six yards or ten yards he's not someone who's going to give you much more a bit like a Ryan Brewster you know he you know what he's going to be able to do for you, but he's not going to come outside the box and create things and hold the ball up and all that. He just wants to be in the box and, and getting on the ends of things. So it could be a good point to a four-three, four-three-three. But equally, it could, you know, if you look at his history as a manager and the sides that he's manufactured, even at Real Madrid, he, he at times would, would favour a four-four-two. Bayern Munich, he's done it where he played Hamas Rodriguez at the tip of a diamond. So yeah. Yeah, he's given himself more options. You know, he's done it at Napoli. He played the diamonds at Napoli as well, and Alan was playing to the left of that diamond. So, you know, I think it gives him options more than anything else. Last, he he had that four four two at the end of last season, but it was more like a flat four because he didn't mm-hmm. have the the quality of players to be able and and real versatility in that four to play a diamonds. Um, so yeah, I, I I for me he's starting to lean towards that, and particularly the link with Decore. You know, you wouldn't. For me, Decore is not a four-three-three player. He, he, you know, I think he likes to have that a bit like um, what's his name at Tottenham, the the French fella, um, who, who, Sissoko. He, mm. he, he likes to have that passage to play, and where he plays up and down. But he's not he's not an attacking midfielder. He's not a defensive midfielder. He's a bit of a box-to-box one, and you'd only really these days get away with a box-to-box midfielder if you're playing the diamonds. Um, so yeah, that for me that that looks like it's where he's going. But you start to think about the diamonds and. You need fullbacks that that have got to get up and down, and they've got to provide you a lot of width and a lot of energy. You're starting to look at Seamus Coleman, thinking, has he still got that in his locker? And if he hasn't, is John Joe Kenny good enough to provide that type of service from right back? I don't know. I haven't seen it previously. Didn't really see it enough at Schalke. That maybe begs the question: Do we need another right back if he's going down that way? So. Mm. Like anything, when you when you you start to change the system and build a new side, you, you tend to find weaknesses that you didn't realise you'd had when you start to change, you know, your shape. So it's interesting to see how it, how it, how it pans out. And we're still a signing or two away from nailing, uh, I think him being able to nail his colours to any mast in terms of formations. Like I say, we're still looking at maybe another signing in midfield there to make it a proper solid diamond. And we're still certainly a forwards or a winger away from playing, having a decent 4-3-3 as well. Do you yeah. think, do you, do you think you're starting to see, well, the way I see it outside looking in, these are very much Ancelotti signings, aren't they? They're not Marcel Brand signings. You know, that whole idea of Marcel Brands being a sort of, you know, transfer guru and picking up rough gems and who's able to put some polish on them and stuff, you know, and, and, and increase the value and that sort of idea of a model, you know, approach. 
that looks like it's a bit out the window with these two, doesn't it? Because these are very much Carlo Ancelotti, I want them players. I not, know them not players. Only, I don't think they're only Carlo Ancelotti signings. I think that the signings would suggest that, and, and you know, it, it indicates that, look, we also need to produce something now as well. I mean, Andy mm. Gordon's just signed a new five-year deal this year. This today, sorry, um, and you've got a few other players that are maybe going. You've got, you know, Brantway coming through. You know, a lot of the players that, you know, Moise Keane's still very young. Um, you know, Yeri Mean is the right size of 25, 26 for a centre back. That's no age. You've still got a very, you've got a very young squad there as well, and particularly with some of the players that he's bred in towards the end of last season. So, I think the argument would be that, that there needs to be a balance. You know, I don't think Brands is going to be stopped. I mean, he's just brought in the lad from the only actual sign and confirmed sign, and we've signed is a left back from from Marseille, who's nineteen and, and Kunku, and and he's mm. again going to be a backup left back. But again, it's another player that you can't expect to to hit the ground running. Um, so I think there's a there's been a bit more of a degree of pragmatism about the business. But yeah, I think you've got someone in the boardroom now, or maybe walks in the boardroom like Ancelotti, who's going, look, I understand the importance of for the future of the club and stability and buying these young players. But if you want results now and you want to provide, you know, a, a bedrock for these young players and, and something that they're going to want to stay around for, then you're going to need some experienced practitioners and then someone who's going to be able to influence them. And that's what we've yeah. said when we're looking at these young players. When they, they come into training every day, who are they looking at for, for, you know, for positive influence and for someone who's going to push them forwards? And you can't underestimate the importance of having players of the quality of Hannes Rodriguez and Alan who are raising the level every day on the training pitch and giving something to, for the younger players and certainly some of our bang average middle-aged players, something to, 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 to aspire to. Um, mm. You look around and there's a, there's a massive you know, lack of quality in there. And I think that's something that these two signings will inject into the squad. Yeah. Well, we did have a question in on social media from, it was Davini Daniel. Um, Daniel, and they Div- said, Daniel Davini, yeah. Yeah, so they said if you could sign four realistic players for Everton based on money and profile, who would they be? So I think you've mentioned previously that, you know, them two, Alan and, and Rodriguez, would be two that you, you'd have been interested in and, and felt Everton had a chance to get anyway. But who would the other two be, George, if you had any other two in mind? Well, if you, if we we kind of follow on the threads of the whole four 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 two diamond thing, I think you'd want another person on the right hand side of that who can do what Alan does in terms of getting up and down and and being combative, but also being able to operate in the final third. But more than anything else, having that energy, um, a player who, again, the question is who was ideally wanted and would have half a chance of. I know you're going to say we wouldn't have a chance to sign him, but Angolo Conte Conte would fit the mold for me. He doesn't seem to be from the the, you know the appearances or lack of that he made last season. It doesn't seem to be Frank Lampard's first choice. I know we wouldn't be the only team that would be in for an Angolo Kante if he became available, and the argument would be that we might get, you know, outfoxed by some of the the better sides in Europe. But I, I think for me, if you're going to ask me who's me who's a player that is it obtainable, he would be first on my list. Um, I still think we're lacking a bit of. Lack of an arse at the back, if for want of a better word. Um, so I'd be hunting someone like that. I mean, a player who's been linked with us, who you know wouldn't be first on most Evertonians' list, and he's probably not the most well-known of players. But Maximovic, who, who Ancelotti had at Napoli, um, what, what, who most people would consider to be third cho- or you know th- the third choice centre back behind Manolas and and um, Koulibaly, but that's no <laughs> that's no disgrace. <laughs> But he's, I think he's captain of Serbia um, and, he, and he proper fits that bill of a, 
you know, propping the man Vizic type centre back who'll, you know, go and elbow people when he needs to in the sides and, you know, just a really mean operator and someone who just bring a bit of steel again, not only to, the, you know, the first eleven, but also in training every day. Just, just give a bit of edge to training. Um, mm-hmm. If not him, and I'm going to push it to five, I still think we're lacking a proper centre forward as well. You can't look at Dominic Calvert Lewin still and say he's a, you know, he's your reliable, fifteen twenty goal a season player because he's only just scraped fifteen goals this season. He certainly can't rely on Moisekin yet. And Richarlison isn't an out and out forward. Um, so someone like an Immobile from 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 Lazio, who's getting into his mid thirties now, but you know, he's ridiculously, you know, prolific goal scorer and just a big old strapping centre forward. That even if he got into got to thirty five, thirty six, he could still throw him on the last twenty minutes and he knows where the goal is. Do you know what I mean? It's it just mm. someone like that in your squad that you know, it, as I say, we haven't really got that type of player at the moment. So I'll push it to five, but I'd certainly out of the out of the, out of the three there, I'd probably prioritise it. I can say and maybe a, an immobile if you're going to push me. Okay, interesting. So thanks for the question, Danny. God, you don't count Suarez as realistic. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm not, I'm not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put him in the realist, realistic bracket. Um, yes, for the Reds. <laughs> not until you rule out your interest in him. Yeah, well, he, he's apparently looking at UV, isn't he? Suarez apparently being in contact with UV. Is he? Yeah, kind of makes sense. Mm, yeah. Um, Bit of South American link there with the baller as well, in there, so he probably you know fit in it, fit in there. That's the love. But yeah, I mean, we, that, there's not really much else to go at this week, is that it's it's a very quiet weekend. You know, content's thin on the ground, really. We're just really keen to get the season started now, aren't we? So we can, we've actually got some, you know, some stuff, some stuff to get our teeth into. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we obviously, got the, we got the, we, I'm probably catching you both on your toes here, but I think we got the final of the the derby competition coming up as well, haven't we? The two, the the best Everton one and the best Liverpool through going through to a derby. So, Melzi's been working hard on those Twitter polls. Um, I'll have to, I'll have to again reach in to see which one it is, but I'm fairly certain Everton's is the three nil. Um, Andy Johnson's derby that's got through yeah. to the final and Liverpool. So I think we go head to head now. Liverpool's was the five two, wasn't it? I think yeah, it is. Yeah, so they're, yeah. they're the two that, are go, that go head-to-head now. So, obviously, Everton have been voting on their derbies and Liverpool fans have been voting on theirs. I think they go head-to-head now to see who, who comes out on top. Now, to put pressure on the Reds, I know we tend to have a slightly bigger following from Blues on Twitter, it seems, when we've done different polls. So, the Reds, you, you need to get shared and if you want to come out on top on that and don't let us come, come away with our 3-0 victory that we still, we still, <laughs> we're still very fond of. I think that's yeah, probably going to make up the basis yeah. of next week's show, isn't it? Yeah, we'll yeah. Be discussing then two derbies in a bit more detail. Yeah, yeah. So we've got that coming up, obviously. So, but thanks again to the, just to recognise everyone who, who has voted. Not only that, the players who've got involved as well. You know, you've had Lee Carsley, you know, retweeting saying that even though he scored in the one nil, one nil game into Liverpool, he thought the three nil one should have got voted, and that came out on top. So we've had some interaction from some of our previous guests and and players who've been on the show. So thanks for that as well. Yeah, you know these um, internationals that are coming up. Next weekend, yeah. are they qualifiers? Do you know? Yeah, it's the, the nation's international the... football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. They are qualifiers, though. Yeah, yeah. Was saying uh, about Harry Maguire missing it, it was saying it's the first like competitive game I think under Southgate that he hasn't been part of the squad. Yeah, it's weird. Like Af- uh, South America and the African continents, they've swerved their qualifiers, but the Europeans are going ahead. I thought the you know with the international travel and all, I thought it just get bombed, but. 
I'm glad it's going ahead now, pre-season, because I hate the, I hate that yeah, one. Yeah, it's horrible after the three games of the season. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. you had a two-week international break, but yeah. let's just open all of them, come back injured. Yeah, well, none of our, none of our front three are going to these ones anyway, so I'm happy about that. Fair but, enough. But yeah, like you say Terry, not not that lot, not that much to cover this week. I think we'll have a hopefully some confirmed signings next week and maybe a bit more meat on the bone. Maybe be able to answer your question in a bit more detail, Phil, or maybe a bit more definitively as to which way we think Ancelotti is going to go into the season in terms of his preferred formation. Mm. So that will be interesting to see how that how that pans out. But um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Nice short one for you uh, this week. We will be recording. Um, we will be recording next week as usual and we will as always try and put out you know and confirm which day we do record I know it's frustrating for some of you that we've recorded Tuesday night this week but it's always Monday or Tuesday and with it being a bank holiday weekend we've had a a bit of extra time to ourselves so again thanks for listening everyone and for all your support catch you all soon